Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Cut and Splice. This is Matt speaking, and as usual, I'm here with... Uh, this is Gil. And this is Jason. And this time around, we're going to discuss something that's probably going to be somewhat controversial, which is filmmakers who have undeniably created who have undeniably created brilliant works of cinema throughout their careers who seem to have teetered off uh, over the last decade or so and why that may have been be kind we're going to obviously be uh, as you know, as kind as possible, dealing with a um, obviously brutal <laughs> subject. Well, I, think <laughs> but, uh, I think I'll take it with humor. I mean, it's not. A, it's yeah. just that you know, sometimes people make a bad movie, and sometimes These they can't make a good one. Good now, they suck. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be that like rough. Yeah, it's just right. we're saying that there's something there to to discuss. Yeah, well, well, I mean, every time you make art, uh, it, you know, it's a it. it it's something that expresses something that's inside you. And when you, you spend 20 years making, making stuff that isn't good, you know, we're, you know, it, it, it's personal. Like there's no way around that. I mean, what was uh, the, um, what, what was the, the initial, I think it was there, a a specific person that you made you think of this? Cause I think you did when you brought it up to me. Uh, there were a handful and the the sad thing is that I think the the first person that came to mind for me was Michael Mann. And uh, yes. And Michael Mann made one of my favorite movies of all time, which we've already talked about, uh, which is Heat. Uh, I, I mean, he made Collateral, Last of the Mohicans, The Insider. He was a brilliant filmmaker <laughs> and I, I, I mean when you look at his filmography as a director 24 credits and i mean obviously you know he had certain movies like la takedown which you know was a tv movie we already covered manhunter uh which i i i, I mean you know it it was a really low budget film but fairly well made uh before that he actually made thief which i think is kind of underrated and overlooked uh i mean it's not a great movie but again ultra low budget and then uh last of the mohicans which i i, I mean you know you got daniel day lewis it's br brilliantly shot uh the score is beautiful the scenery is beautiful uh, it, it's it meticulously made. It's, uh, I, I mean, mostly historically accurate. Amazingly, uh, it's better than the, it's better than the book that it was based off of. Great movie follows that up with heat, which I regard as the greatest easily cops and robbers movie ever made. I think that it's easily among the top five crime movies in general ever made you know you've got the insider which is unique it's uh again dante spinati you've got you got uh, talents like al pacino 
and Russell Crowe in his prime, uh, telling a deeply influential and important real story. Then you've got Ali, which we can kind of overlook, uh, which wasn't very good. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It, and I mean, it was Emmanuel Lebesky, which, uh, but again, meticulously made, very deliberate, very uh, spot on. Collateral, which is honestly my second favorite Michael Mann movie. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. With uh, Tom Cruise giving one of the best performances of his career, uh, Jamie Foxx giving one of the best performances of his career. It was innovative. It was uh, visceral. It was uh, it, it, it it was just a really well made movie. And then he went full digital, and he hasn't made a good movie since then. Yeah, yeah. Miami Vice. Not good. Public Enemies, not good. Black Hat, who the hell saw it? I saw it. It was not good. (laughs) (laughs) That's bad. Now we know. Yeah. Uh, Collateral was the last movie that I shot on film and then that they shot at all on film. Collateral did use digital cameras, but they, they, it was shot mixture film and digital. Miami Vice was the movie that he decided to shoot full digital. He's gone full digital since then, and since then he hasn't made a good movie. Yeah, but I mean that's we we've been, we brought that up in one of our episodes, yeah. so we don't have to thread on that too much. But yeah. but I think the point was taken. It seems like and and I do like Ali less, and I'm actually not a big fan of The Last of the Mohicans. I think that he's just an uneven Last director movie. for me. I know. Someday, someday we'll do an episode about it. But but yes, he definitely has a trend there. And and it's something in popular culture. It's it's known that Tarantino has the whole 10 movie thing and he wants to retire for the same reason that we're discussing because he has this wants to avoid what we're discussing. He wants to avoid the yeah, the the dipping down. And um, yeah, and recently Bill Maher interviewed him and said, like, you know, what are you talking about? Like, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like one of your best movies. And like, I think you're just getting like to like a new phase in your career where you're making these different and interesting movies. And I, I kind of take that point. Uh, I, I think it's a good point. I think that's what some directors do. They do evolve over time. Uh, and, and yes, much like, say, Scorsese, if you're going to make that many movies, you're going to be hit and miss. There's no doubt. But you're still going to have hits. So I feel like the Scorsese approach makes sense to me. I think he's made a bit too many movies. I would I would have done it at a slower pace, not as slow as Kubrick, but maybe uh, maybe every three to five years making a movie. It seems reasonable. But yeah, it's, it's undeniable that this trend exists. Um, and and I, I brought up at some point, uh, it's comedy is that way, too. Like you look at Jim Carrey and mm-hmm. like there's a thing about comedy where at some point you realize you're not as funny as you were in the beginning of your career where you had the most creative energy. Uh, you were the most ambitious. You're just not as hungry anymore. And I wonder if some of that is what happens to directors. You need to be really, really hungry to like someone like Michael Mann. He puts so much effort into his stuff that, that I wonder if it's as you get older, you just can't have that same yeah. level of energy and maybe the work suffers. That would be one theory. I believe at yeah. one point in time you said you had a theory that maybe um, 
I don't know. I don't remember how you put it, but I interpreted what you said as um, kind of like phases of life. You know, like um, they they go from being that hungry twenty something, thirty something out of film school or whatever, and they've got four or five exciting movies under their belt, and they're like on fire, and then suddenly they like get married and have kids or something like that, and suddenly your life is changing inevitably. And some people that like instills new thoughts and new creative energies and other people, it just kind of pulls and sucks the the energy, the creative energy out of you, maybe, you know, or something like that. Yeah. And when we mentioned the, there's the Shyamalans or the Jason Reitman with comedy that, that have like two, three really good movies in the beginning and then starting to dip all together, which, which is almost like a, not a one-hit wonder, but like a, a two to three-hit wonder, where they just can't get the same level that they showcased in the beginning. So there's different levels of this, and some people can sustain it for longer, and some people just kind of drop out. You know, even Kubrick, um, which I don't think he really dropped out, but but it, there's a sense <laughs> stuff was just too spaced out with him. But it does feel like between Full Metal Jacket, which was an intense movie and was very thought through, but between Full Metal Jacket and then Eyes Wide Shot, as apart as they are with the years, that it was a, a slight dip because he was like, like he was doing what? Like he, he started from Lolita's was really when he gained steam, like Paths of Glory, Lolita. Uh, then he did like Dr. Strangelove. Then um, 2001 where he peaked. And then he does Clockwork Orange, which is, still at the peak like it, it's it's a different kind of movie than 2001 but it, but very much in this peak and then he does the shining which is also peak they're all like different peaks of different genres with different movies but that's like a three movie peak that i don't think any director has ever had but then after the shining it does feel like full metal jacket um you know it's not it, it is one of the best war movies ever made, but it's, uh, you know, but it's not in the same way that The Shining is one of the top five horror movies ever made or the 2001 being the best sci-fi movie ever made. And, and you know, Dr. Strangelove being the best best satire movie ever made, you know, so there's definitely a dip there. And then and then I really feel like the, you know, what would you consider like Eyes Wide Shot? It's not even the best movie about sex ever made. It's It's pretty damn good. It's not bad, but it's but there's even Kubrick was like not immune to it, uh, and and we can mention other ones, but but it'll take us too long to go through like filmographies of each of them. Uh, <laughs> but one thing I want to throw out there, as as a, a counter theory, as you look at someone like like Spielberg, he's a bit immune to that, even though he's getting old. It's not that he doesn't miss, but he doesn't miss by a lot, and and I think that's a factor of him being more of a technician than a yeah. writer director like it's the fact that he just have to direct um and not so much come up with the stories and and uh, and and research them and evolve them as and is not as as personally involved in the putting together of the of the the idea as much as those other directors are and i think that's why he's um he's kind of special i think fincher is also in that level like he's just such a good technician that i can see him just keep making really good movies scorsese is like that too he's just not as much of a technician as he is more of a writer director type of like very personal movies 
some of them. So so yeah, it, it is yeah. Spielberg is a is a, an odd like animal there, which I guess is to is to his credit. Yeah, I, I mean, one thing that, uh, you know, is fair to kind of bring up about uh, Michael Mann, which I think is relevant, is that so much of what makes a movie like Heat so iconic is the fact that this guy did his fucking work in terms of, like, literally understanding how every aspect of you know the the bank heist business and the you know counter the the police following these people actually works he really got into all of that and then you look at something like uh black hat and I mean, you've got somebody who's like what, what he was born in uh, the, the 1943 and he's trying to get into cyber terrorism. Yeah. I, I, I mean, you know, it, it's like a whole new world for him to have to deal with <laughs> in order to, uh, to try to actually deal with it competently in the way that he's used to dealing with things. Uh, still, that doesn't excuse Public Enemy, which was just not not good. Uh, <laughs> and, and also not good from a technical standpoint. And, you know, uh, but um, actually, that, that's a good uh, transition to, uh, you know, like Robert Zemeckis. I was going to bring it too. Seems to have fallen off pretty steeply over the last several years and like with back to the future. I mean, he does have writing credits on back to the future and everything, but, uh, I, I, I mean, I think that his last movie that really stuck out to me as even having a really good sequence in it was flight. I, 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 I mean the, the, that plane crash sequence was one of the greatest sequences that I've ever seen put on screen. But, and the rest, but the rest of the movie <laughs> kind of felt like a big budget student film. Yeah. Well, student movie, it was shot digitally, but yeah. Yeah. His, he, um, his movies definitely took a, uh, a, a hit as soon as he started doing all the mocap stuff. Um, yeah. I, I do, I will admit that, um, I didn't, um, especially after being so let down by the Beowulf one, um, I didn't bother watching the uh, Christmas Carol one that he did with Jim Carrey just because the marketing was horrendously bad for it. Like, yeah, I don't know why the, the trailer focused on this one aspect of one special effect that was just it's not important getting into it. Just it was awful. But then years later, like many years later, like probably five, ten years after it came out or something like that, I, I remember uh, my brother recommended I watch it. Uh, one year around Christmas time. And I was like, okay, after watching it, I was like, this is actually really good. It has an amazing cast of voice actors. Um, but it, it's just, even that movie, w which was decent, um, suffered horribly from like the whole, um, we're intentionally making every scene in this thing to be 3D. Yeah. 
like it's just so completely obvious that they wanted you know what i'm talking about when you watch a movie like that where there's just way too much stuff that's flying out of the screen at you or something like that um and it's it's just gets to the point where it's aggravating but yeah e- even i think just after that one i think was flight or something like that um but yeah it was just his movies have really dropped off unfortunately because he had such a stellar beginning to his career yeah i i think um orson wells once said that uh the enemy of creativity is a lack of restraint or something like that, you know, that, yeah. you know, you, and I, I feel like uh, the latter portion of Semeckis's career has kind of been illustrative of that where, you know, he's kind of just seen, wow, there's nothing that I can't do. So let's do it all. Yeah. And, you know, kind of losing sight of, you know, the actual core of what makes a good movie. But um, I wonder if could that be a theory that maybe it's it's because these people are uh, have done so many movies at a certain point that they keep trying to either they're just falling back to the same old tricks and they're just stale and outdated or or that they're trying too many new things because they're looking for new ways to make a movie and and just the ideas don't always work out because the more you try something the more chances you have to fail more than anything Um, but it does feel like it's a with some of these um it's a it's just like a pretty consistent um dip like it's not as if like oh wow that's an amazing movie like out of five like Scorsese does that, but again, he—I feel like he's—he's he's one animal, and then Spielberg is one animal. Um, like there's a, there's something there. Like, but but most people, it is true that they pretty much dip and never have a, a surprise hit. All of a sudden, in their like, seventies, they'll make like a, a classic. You know, it doesn't yeah. seem to happen very often. Agreed. I I mean I I think it varies. Uh, with Stamekis, I see it as being um, more of an obsession with technology and, you know, like, oh, shit, this is something that I could have done in Back to the, F- with Back to the Future back in the 80s that uh, I, I couldn't do then and I could do now. Okay, I'll gloss over the script. Eh, script is fine. It, it lets me do this cool new thing. It, it lets me play with this new toy or something. Uh, with Michael Mann, honestly, uh, and I can actually say this, well, I, I, and actually this is more Dante Spinati than Michael Mann, but the fact that Michael Mann would even allow it to happen, like on Public Enemy, you know, they shot it digitally uh, and there was a sequence that was like this car mini car chase sequence set at night in this like wooden area and everything. And they had scouted the location uh, several months before they actually went out to shoot. And when they went out to shoot, the trees had actually grown a lot more dense. So they couldn't punch enough light through. And Dante Spinotti actually said in the American Cinematographer article, oh, so we just turned off the shutter in the camera. And that's a brilliant thing that we can do with digital cameras that we can't do with film cameras. Mm -hmm. And that sequence looked like junk 
and I mean, I just think that there comes a moment where you get enamored with the technology, either in the Robert Zemeckis way of, wow, this is something that really could have been cool if I could have done this in 1985. So let's do it now and just like craft an entire movie around me being able to do this one cool thing technologically. And then there's the Michael Mann response to the technology, which is, well, uh, if I had, if I shot this back in 1995, we actually would have had to light this. Suddenly we don't have to light this. So why not light, why not just not light this <laughs> and go for it? Uh, you know, I, I, and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, just imagine in, you know, carpentry, if, you know, that rule of measure twice cut once suddenly became irrelevant and you can just cut, you, you, you feel like you can just keep cutting and you never, and it's never going to cost you anything, you know, eventually it's going to hurt the end product. Well, I, you brought up that, that thing about the shutter. We discussed it one time and it's, yeah. maybe it's good to bring it up again. And yeah. maybe it is the symptom because we were saying that there is a, a form of laziness or, or at least not as much ambitious about it. And and that's just like a almost a, that little thing, even though the technologies doesn't seem like the right thing, but it's it's a, it's a it's a hint that beyond that, that same approach to the shutter or to the the cinematic tricks of Zemeckis or whatever gimmicks, uh, it's just a symptom that the whole thing is just lazier. Like because it's lazier, because it's not as focused, is is why the the end result is not as uh, as effective. Maybe it's it's hard to say, but but I, I don't know. I, I'm looking at like Bergman's, um, you know, like filmography, and and I know he too, like he towards the end, like he he had the he did that miniseries, the uh, Fanny and Alexander, like in the '80s. And I remember like not liking that one very much, but it is very extravagant and very detailed and very this and very that, but but not very focused. Like it's you know that's the the thing. Like it's it's hard to um, like pinpoint exactly what it is that creates this dip. Um, you know, even Kurosawa had like uh, Ran was late in his career, right? And Dreams. Yeah. Those are like two. Uh, Kurosawa movies that were towards the end, and they're both very extravagant, very detailed. A lot is going into them, but they're not. But they're not the same. It's not Rashomon. It's not Seven Samurai. It's it's not Ikiru. It's just not. And and it's whether those earlier movies movies were just a stroke of genius, and um, but I, it just doesn't uh, explain why he can't have a stroke of genius towards the end. I mean, somebody could come to him. It's kind of like Spielberg. Like somebody can come to you. You're the best director in the world. They're going to come to you with brilliant ideas. All you have to do is execute it. But for some yeah. reason, it, it's I, like now I feel like we need to find that movie, that that movie that somebody made in their 70s that that was a complete classic. <laughs> like I'm trying I'm trying to think of one, you know, of well, a director. I wish we had, I had thought yeah, we had thought about this before we could have researched. I'm sure there's got to be one. <laughs> Maybe somebody yeah. will tell us, but like <laughs> but the fact that but this is the thing about this show if if it doesn't jump to the to our heads then yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, then there's a reason for that cuz it's not very common that yeah. it happens. 
Um, but I mean, so much of the brilliance about Spielberg, uh, you know, on top of what you already mentioned, Gil, is that I, I, his films seem to age with him pretty well. Uh, I, I mean, with the exception of like the BFG, I, I thought that was a little bit too um, tonal problems. <sighs> Yeah. Uh, also, incidentally, that's the one movie that Spielberg shot digitally. Uh, ah. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, and I mean, it it had its high points, but it, it felt too young for him, uh, I think. And um, you know, but I, I mean, you know, just over the last twenty years, we've seen him go from Minority Report being a movie that we think, oh, Spielberg, that makes sense to Bridge of Spies and Lincoln and, you know, uh, stuff like that. Uh, oh, okay, that makes sense. That's Spielberg now because he's older. He's not making, you know, these hyperactive sci-fi action movies anymore. Well, he made he made Ready Player One, and that was awesome. Uh, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, uh I still think you're making a good point. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you know. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the, uh, the, the, I don't think it's that he can't relate to certain styles or ages. I think he just tried something and it just didn't work. I, I do think that Spielberg is not that far removed from Scorsese in the sense that they've, they've both made a lot of movies considering um, like they kept, the, they were pretty prolific and, and you're always going to have a, um, an element there of like a hit and miss when you make that many movies more than anything. It just seems like that Spielberg is more yeah. slightly more consistent than Scorsese because he's he's I a better technician. Scorsese is a better storyteller, but I, I, I he is. But but <laughs> but Spielberg is a better technician. Uh, he's just a better. Um, he can move the camera better. He he can. S- build a scene well but he but spielberg doesn't have a raging bull he doesn't have a taxi driver he doesn't have a you know he doesn't have a a goodfellas like he doesn't have movies that are so so deeply personal and uh, and just dig so so deep like he's tried i mean you know schindler's list meh it's a good movie i think schindler's list and jurassic park are better than everything you just said disagree I'm uh, very sorry. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> Saving Private Ryan is not that good of a movie. Uh, it's an okay <laughs> movie. It's not even like a top 10 war movie for me, I think. I'm not that crazy. The first 30 minutes of it is amazingly done because he's Spielberg. But the rest of the movie is kind of meh. If nothing else, that's the main problem with that movie. That's why I think we should do a double episode with Full Metal Jacket because they both have this issue of like, it's like two movies in one uh, yeah. <laughs> in a way. Um, it would be good. It's a very uneven movie. Uh, I mean, it's not like that the rest of after the, the first 30 minutes is not good. It's just that it's not great. Is it Apocalypse Now good? No, it isn't. It's it's not even I'm sadly I have to say like it's not even um uh, it's it's not even platoon good. Oh my like, god. Yeah, uh, I think uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Saving Prime Ryan is a, is a good war movie. It's not a great war movie. Wow. It just isn't. I I actually think uh, that if anything, like I think one of his highlights, like my two favorite movies of Spielberg is Minority Report and Jaws. I think Jaws is the closest thing he got to a perfect movie, and it's not 
it's not Raging Bull, it's not Taxi Driver, but but it is an important movie in the sense that he really took the craft of filmmaking to a new level. Like the, the Jaws is a direct descendant of what Hitchcock did with movies. He just really like being a technician and just understanding that you have this power in your hands to really manipulate the image and and take the audience for a ride. And and that's amazing. But I think he's he's spent his entire career trying to duplicate it, but it's never quite as good as Jaws. Uh, he's very, very good. He's very, very close. But Jaws is the purest that he ever was. I think because he was young and he was that energetic. So even Spielberg lost something. It's just that he didn't, he, he dropped from like 99% to like 85, 90, where I feel like a lot of directors dropped to like the 60s or something as far as like the, or less. the pure creative energy well, that they have. Well, well, any discussion about um, like war movies and Saving Private Ryan is going to have to be kicked down the road because holy shit, do I have some sh- some stuff to say to you? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course not. I, we don't want to get I, bogged I, down I, on specific. I, I, things, I'll so. have to like rewatch uh, Raging Bull, which I have on DVD yeah, because, yeah. like, <laughs> I, I mean, I think Jaws is a better movie than Raging Bull. Uh, yeah, I, I won't deny that, but I do think Taxi Driver is better than Jaws. A Taxi Driver is a top ten movie for me. I, I think I it's... did really like Taxi Driver. I should watch that again too. I, 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 those are also like comparing apples and garlic or something. That's true. But... Yeah, no, no, I understand. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is like, but we have to Scorsese... at least be able to say objectively which. But one the point is, is you know what's a good comparison is <laughs> um, to a, a good com- a, a good modern comparison is Paul Thomas Anderson to Tarantino. Paul Thomas Anderson makes beautiful amazing drama that is just art pieces to put in a museum. Uh, Tarantino makes violent revenge movies. He's a great technician. His movies look great. There might be some some substance there as well. (laughs) Like, it's not purely just entertainment. But you compare him to his, you know, uh, his same generation, like they came at the same time, Paul Thomas Anderson, and I can't even begin to compare... You know, like there will be blood to uh, to something like, say, uh, Pulp Fiction. They're both amazing movies, but Pulp Fiction is just a crazy joyride. Where there will be blood is a profound movie about the nature of ambition and you know capitalism and you know like it's just such a profound movie. Like whereas like, oh yeah, he like messed around with the you know. Like they started where they began and they ended where they started. Okay, that's kind of cool and it's really awesome and it's enjoyable moment to moment. But I can't compare those two movies. So th- that's the way I feel like Spielberg and Scorsese is. Scorsese makes these deeply personal, dramatic movies. And Spielberg is just making a joyride. Which is why I, even, even Saving Private Ryan and even Schindler's List... He's he he did them well, especially Shindo's list. Like he took a step back. He he tried to be more pure there, but he's he's always going to be Spielberg. Like there's um, I think it was um, I think it might have been like Michael uh, was uh, what's his name Hanukkah, the one who did Funny Games. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think he said that he really hated Schindler's List because even though it was black and white and he was trying to make it horrific and everything, it, it's it's way too glorified because because it's Spielberg. He just can't take a notch down. Like it's just, he does what he does and it's just too good. 
like the, the uh, that's why I, I prefer a movie like the pian the pianist like i think it's a better movie about the holocaust um uh, on that point i i don't know uh, if Michael Hanukkah said it, but I, I know that Laszlo Memes, the director of Son of Saul, said something similar to uh, about Schindler's List. And, yeah, uh, it's it's a bit too uh, polished. It's too polished. It's actually Spielberg has said that it was the first movie he used handheld camera because he was trying to like get out of his comfort zone, and it, he didn't do a bad job. He he just he didn't do well enough. Like I, I don't think that movie. Even though it was a success and everything, I I don't think it's the the best Holocaust movie ever made. Uh, not that it's the, it should even be a thing, <laughs> but but um, but yeah, it's I, I can't explain it. It's it's a good thing that that we got on the subject because this has been bugging me for a while. That I, I feel like Spielberg is in, he's probably the best director of all time as far as being a technician. Him and Hitchcock, and I would put Fincher in that category. The three um, of them are very, very good, that's for sure. Yeah, and Fincher, I don't know why he's kind of like gone to do all these like B movie story like lately. He's making them really well, but they're they're not gonna stand the test of time. I feel like most of his movies, unfortunately. But that's his mm. shtick that it's his <clears throat> right to do that. But well, yeah, that's um, that's kind of what Hitchcock to... used to do. He made a lot of like weird like murder mystery movies that you know a lot of them didn't stand the test of time but i guess if you make enough of them he's got at least five that are like all-time greats you know oh, yeah yeah, I, yeah I mean, there were a few movies that uh toward the end of hitchcock's career i think it was to specifically that hitchcock actually just dismissed as being the worst decision that he ever made as a filmmaker and <laughs> you know like you know he, he just openly said like yeah that was a piece of shit movie and you know, <laughs> I, I obviously in a, a a more eloquent british yeah. you know use of words but yeah I, you know just i i got too obsessed with it uh, with like the the visual aspect of it and i didn't actually tell a story and so on and so forth <laughs> I'll say yeah, one well, other thing before I forget is is also because the, the past thing made me remember is David Lynch, like when he made Inland Empire, he borderline like apologized for it. Like he said, oh, like <laughs> I was just trying something really weird. I took this video camera and I thought I could make a movie with it. But I and I did make a movie with it. It's not amazing, but it's not bad. But he's kind of like dismissed his own movie as being sort of like, yeah, I could have done better. And, and he hasn't made a movie since because I. Uh, because that same fear that like, well, I got this legacy of movies. Why tarnish it with more bad movies? <laughs> <laughs> I wish some people would would uh, think that way. They don't. <laughs> well, I guess that's what Tarantino says. But that's that's the question. I guess we can. No, no, no. I'm not it. talking about Tarantino. <laughs> no, but but yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like that's, that's a good place to wrap on. So like, what what do you think? Do you think it's the that the Tarantino approach approach is the correct one? That some people should do it once they have a dip. Or like, you know, like leave on a high note or that the Scorsese Spielberg way of just like having longevity, but maybe have more like a hit and miss more so with Scorsese is is worthwhile. I don't think there's any clear cut way to go about it. I think it depends. It's different for everybody. I mean, like, I don't understand how you can make a movie like Apocalypse Now and then basically not make any good movies for 30 years. The last 30 years, he hasn't made anything good. 
I was going to bring that up. Uh, he's, I think he's in the Shyamalan, unfortunately, in the Shyamalan Jason Reitman category of like, he's like a two to three hit wonder. And basically, yeah, I, he wasn't I mean, interested I, in making movies, I think, in general. Maybe. Not as much. I, I don't know. I, I, I think I, I'm even very forgiving of his movies. Like, I, I think that uh, Peggy Sue Got Married and, and uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula have a lot to, to offer. But yeah. I mean, that still puts us at 1992. You know, nineteen. Oh, but, and he also made uh, around that time he made the third Godfather, which was not great. That was before Dracula. Was but before? Yeah, also bad. But I mean, I'm st- I'm still saying I'm being as as generous as I can, you know. And that still puts us at thirty years. It's yeah. Pretty terrible, you know. And then like, um, you know, you're talking about like what's the right way to go about it. I mean, I I don't. We're all looking at this with hindsight, so it's easy for us to say. But I mean, I I wish. At this point in time, I either wish that uh, Tim Burton had just stopped making movies after Big Fish or that nobody had ever introduced him to like CGI or something, because like I, I I don't really think he's made a good movie since then either. I mean, again, I I don't think that this is a a simple thing to deal with. Uh, I mean, just on the whole Francis Ford Coppola thing, you know, maybe after you've made Godfather, Godfather two and apocalypse now, and you come to the point where, you know what? I think I'm going to spend a year of my life making Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it's time to hang up the cleats. Maybe. I, I, I mean, I mean the rainmaker, which was his next film after Jack wasn't, bad i never uh, saw it I, it wasn't I good it. i saw it but it's it's okay yeah but i i mean it, it's just one of those things where you know think about it like you know uh hey if you're calling kaepernick yeah you know you went to the super bowl you lost okay you you kind of had a bad season after that and uh you made a few bad decisions and now you're trying to make it back as a backup quarterback in any team that'll take you. Maybe just, you know, take the Nike money and call it quits. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, but, um, I mean, actually that that's, that's one other area though. Like can some of those people who were on the top, who were, uh, making, you know, mega budget movies and doing really well, making classics and uh, uh, that that will survive the ages. Are there some of these people who can just take a couple hits of the mouth, realize, you know what, maybe I should stop making movies at, you know, the hundred million, $150 million range for a while. Go back to the kind of movies that got me to that area. You know, make a movie for a million bucks and really strip everything down and just see if I can still tell a story. Yeah. No, I I think uh, Paul Thomas Anderson uh, recently, when Licorice Pizza came out, he said, he said how he's kind of happy about 
like he's got his own little sandbox where he gets to play with like in his own range of like budgets and you know expectations like he doesn't put a lot of pressure on himself because he was discussing the whole superhero movies versus dramas and like you know like that that whole feud what is what is artistic what is just like you know like scorsese said like you know amusement park rides and stuff um, but ultimately there's space for everything and yes there is a space for team tim burton to keep making movies or tarantino for that matter hopefully because even though i think he's not as good as paul thomas anderson he is amazing and, and his movies are still worth watching that that yeah seeing it as a sandbox and yeah if you strip things down try something different don't don't keep trying to make better and better just like well let's take a step back do something different take it easy like it's kind of like uh you can relate it to music too like a lot of musicians late in their career they can't really like you can't really like have the same thing that you had but if you strip things down do something a little differently like david bowie like you know had like a record late in his career that had like a some great songs in it. Bob Dylan, too. I think my favorite Bob Dylan song is like, this actually was released in the 2000s. Go figure. Um, so you just have to accept that at that point in your career, you're not going to be as good as you used to be. But you're still the same person. You still have the same mind. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you're going to have a hit. And I think it's worthwhile. But yeah, whether yeah. you scale it back, you scale it down, you... you space yourself more so you can make sure Perhaps, you choose the um, right project maybe uh going back to your analogy of music sometimes maybe if you just strayed a little bit too far from your comfort zone maybe just taking a, a slight step back towards what you're used to it's sort of what scorsese did with the the irishman and even though it was an okay movie it, it was not goodfellas obviously well, so yeah. Yeah, so that that's true, but at the same time, I wonder. I wonder. I was thinking of um, Guy Ritchie because yeah. he, I love. I mean, we've always we talked about him with one of our first episodes, but I mean, I love most of his movies. And then it seemed like after Man from Uncle, suddenly things started getting real questionable and real sketchy, you know. And there was like um, five years or so. Uh, where it was starting to look really bad. And then, uh, I, I again, like I said in that recording, I didn't see The Gentleman, but it looked pretty good. I, don't, I still don't know anyone who's seen it. I, I hope it's a good movie. I want to check it out. And then we all talked about Wrath of Man, which was pretty good. And um, it looks like the movie that he has coming out this year is a very much, uh, you know, Guy Ritchie type of movie. You know, like a lot of the um kind of an ensemble with a crazy story and stuff like that uh and it looks really good so i'm hoping that he's kind of stepped back into the right at least into the lane that he's more comfortable in and is cranking out some good movies again yeah i yeah. i hope so that's that's i guess ultimately we do agree that you know these people have a fan base so even though and maybe like what matt says about scaling back makes more sense because let's face it if you Unless you're Spielberg and you can make a big budget movie that's going to make a lot of money, like maybe just scaling back, keeping it mm. simple and, and just letting your fans get to watch some more of your creative work is what it's all about. It's it's I think mostly it's just about acknowledging that you're not as ambitious as you used to be. And that's OK. That's perfectly fine. Like you don't have to, um, you know, there's there's room for a, all kinds of art. So.
Yeah. Um, all kinds of movies uh, in this case. Uh, motherfucker, Guy Ritchie is making Aladdin too. I just <laughs> saw that. I didn't want to bring it up because it's not really what we're talking okay. about, but I saw that and I was like, damn it, this is going to suck. 